but yeah, I'm in three different social clubs. Uh, one of them is a book club that I'm in with Blade, Captain Marvel, <laughs> and Captain America. Wolverine has just joined the team and we're going to invite him to our book club. Blade's like, should we invite Logan to our book club? Oh my I'm God. Like, yes, let's yes. get Logan in the book club. <laughs> I just love that Midnight Suns is like promoting queer platonic relationships among adults. Like, we need more of this. Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. We're going to start this episode, as we always do, with our Patreon shoutouts. This is our special thank you to everyone who subscribed at our Patreon name in the credits tier uh, for the month of December. So that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Jackie, Ben, Pimhatai, Adiyinka, and See The Mess. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our lovely little podcast. <laughs> uh, remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can subscribe for as little as just $2 a month and get access to our monthly bonus series co-op mode. Our December episode uh, will probably surprise no one, but it was about God of War Ragnarok. What else? Uh, specifically, God of War Ragnarok spoilers. So if that's of interest to you and uh, you want to drop us the $2, you can go get access to that, as well as a whole library now of co-op mode episodes. We've been doing this for, well, what? We've been on Patreon for over a year mm-hmm. now. Wow. And then some? A little over, yeah, maybe like a year and change for you're months, in change like that yeah yeah so you got a whole backlog of That's co-op right. mode episodes that that two dollars will get you access mm-hmm. to the value is only increasing every month <laughs> That's right it's a whole trove of content <laughs> so if that interests you uh we'd we'd really appreciate your support um if you're a fan of what we do here on pixel therapy please consider sharing us with your friends and family rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts or even writing into the show by sending us an email at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, one more quick item of housekeeping. It is the new year. And with the new year come New Year's resolutions, goals, dreams, hopes, uh, fears. I don't know. No fears. Mm-hmm. No fears today. But <laughs> uh, So Spencer and I, you know, in last fall, we took a, a little hiatus. And then we've kind of come back. Uh, we came back with a few episodes in the fall that felt a little bit different than what we've been doing in the past. Uh, we didn't have any guests on the show, most notably, which is, had been a hallmark of the podcast mm-hmm. pre-hiatus. Um, but when we when we eased our way back in, it was just a lot to try to coordinate guest schedules and all of that, too, on top of our own life stuff and trying to ease back into doing the podcast uh, yeah. following the hiatus. Um, so we've been talking and and setting goals for where we want the podcast to go and what we want to build this year and what we want to achieve this year with it. And, and the data, Jamie. And the what? The data. The data. We looked at our numbers. Oh uh, yes. listening numbers, and we saw that 
contrary to our our expectations, because we thought y'all were just here for our interesting and illustrious guests. Yeah. Uh, we looked at the numbers and it surprisingly to all of us, me, you, and <laughs> the Holy Spirit, um, <laughs> our most listened to episodes are the ones where it's just the two of us. So Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a shock. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Thanks for liking to listen to us talk about things. Um it, yeah, it was a surprise to us. And yeah, so we, we've been talking about what we want out of the show and mm-hmm. what we see people resonating with. And we really just want to make some, I don't think they're going to feel like big changes. I think these are relatively small changes, but we are going to be shaking things up a little bit this year and really trying to hone in on what we feel like we're best at and what we feel like the audience responds to the most. Uh, one of the key ways this change is going to manifest is that there are going to be fewer episodes that feature guests. Um, mm-hmm. Spencer and I both feel like guests are really integral to what we're trying to do on the show here and up- uplifting um, a variety of voices and and especially voices that you might not traditionally hear talking about video games. And so that's still important to us as part of what we're doing with the podcast. Um, However, the the previous structure that we were using for guests, uh, it didn't always mesh. Like it just feels a li- it felt a little di- like at odds with the overall structure mm-hmm. of what we were trying to do with the podcast. Sometimes we think we had really interesting conversations and absolutely great guests, uh, but we just want to try to blend that more uh, so that it feels more seamless between mm-hmm. like the conversations that Spencer and I are having and the conversations we're having with our guests. So there will be fewer guests this year. Um, it's going to be more of a every few episodes sort of a treat. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to structure those conversations differently, but more to come on that front. We're still kind of figuring out what that looks like. Um, and then in the short term, the conversations that Spencer and I are having, um, we would just want to bring them a little more structure. We really want to do more deep dives where Spencer and I are coming to both talk about the same game um, and just, you know, giving you that insightful <laughs> and long-winded <laughs> pixel therapy trademark brand that you've all come to know and love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um of course, today we're both talking about different games because in true pixel therapy fashion, we just had a conversation nailing all of this down right before we started recording uh, this this podcast. Classic. Um, yeah, classic us. Um, but hey, apparently you like it. So yeah, we're going to keep going. New year, new us. Yeah. But it's, it's mostly just uh, the same us, but hopefully a little bit better. Totally, totally. And to be clear, uh, we are not the type to enforce a resolution on anyone. So this is just a thing we're doing that happens to coincide with the new year. But, um, you know, fuck productivity. So oh, yeah. don't feel pressured. <laughs> I have no personal resolutions of my own, just to be really clear. This is honestly just like we'd been saying since we yeah. came back from hiatus in the fall. Like, honestly, this has less to do with the new year and is more indicative of how per, how much we procrastinate. So like literally since before we came back in the fall, we were like, we should have a conversation and kind of refresh the podcast and refresh what we're doing and make sure we're both still aligned in what we want the podcast to be and just have that conversation. And it took us three months to have that conversation. And we finally just had it today. So yeah. really, the, the new year, I'm just I'm just branding it as our new <laughs> yeah. year resolution because it feels like a good way to frame it. But totally. honestly, yeah, fuck New Year's resolutions <laughs> by and large. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Don't don't be better. Just be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Spencer, it's time to get cozy. Pull mm-hmm. up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch. Let's talk about our feelings. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jamie. Um, last night, 
for the first time in like 15 years, I watched 13 Going on 30. Oh, wow. Starring Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. And Jennifer Garner, the one who was married to Ben Affleck. Yeah. (laughs) The one who was married to Ben Affleck. Well, there's multiple Jennifers that that applies to. And I have to say, um, does it hold up? No. Oh my God. First of all, let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) Rip the band aid off. I remember being, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14 at the time that the movie came out. Yeah, going on 30. And yes, it's true. The movie sort of encapsulates that yearning we all have to rush into growing up. Mm. Um, oh, here, let me just, for those of you not familiar with the 13 going on 30 oh, come verse. come on, Google exists. <laughs> it's, right, it's really right on the tin. Like, Jennifer Garner. I said that earlier and Jamie liked it, so I thought I'd throw it back yeah, in. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Playing but, to your um, audience. <laughs> she's a sort of uh, geeky 13-year-old with a best friend uh, named Matt. And at her birthday party, these mean girls come over and make her do seven minutes in heaven with Matt. And while she's in the closet, they all leave the party and she comes out of the closet and well, not really, but she comes out of the <laughs> physical closet, um, yells at her friend, says she doesn't want to be friends anymore, locks herself in the closet. And then she's magically transported and wakes up as a 30 year old. Um, with no memories of her life until that point, um, and sort of has to navigate being an adult with adult responsibilities. And, and it's realizing- like time travel, right? This isn't like big yes. where it's the same person. There's no time jumping. They just are one day older. Yeah, it's weird. It's like everyone else in her life has a whole, like you could kind of get into the 13 going on 30 multiverse here because like when she <laughs> wakes up as a 30-year-old, Everyone else in her life has memories of the past like 15 years, Um, but she's just waking up there. And then, uh, you know, there's, I mean, it's spoilers, (laughs) but at the end of the movie, she goes back in time to being 13 again, and Mm -hmm. she's able to relive her life the way she wanted to. Mm -hmm. So it's like no one else, like what happened to that timeline? Was that, was that a Mm. dream? Was it an alternate timeline? Like never really gets resolved. Anyway, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) is um when i was that age this movie was like my favorite movie i remember telling oh, my wow. partner like this is all oh, that's one of my favorite movies shouldn't have said that without rewatching <laughs> it once in the past 15 oh, don't years you hate when that comes back to bite you in the Dear ass God. <laughs> um but yeah it was kind of like really disturbing to see because oh, no. like she's 30 but in her mind she's 13 <laughs> yeah and like people are like hitting on her and stuff and there's like She's like obviously attracted to the adult version of her ex best friend. And like, there's like things where, you know, Jennifer Garner is like eating a lollipop really thoroughly or like doing because she's oh, 13 in yeah. her brain. And I'm just like, Ooh, am I supposed to? What? Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a yeah. lot. Yeah. Did not age well. Um, I feel like any movie that hinges <laughs> on an age jump like that there's i mean that's like a it's a trope right like there's a whole subset of movies that are like and suddenly this child is much older or yeah yeah, even like the freaky friday stuff when they swap with parents can do a little bit of that it's always 
weird. It's always inappropriate. Yeah. yeah the pa- oh, yeah. Freaky Friday. True. Okay. And just, okay. I just, the last thing I'll say is that I had some, I felt like there was some sort of unfair gender stuff going on too. Notably, um, there's a scene where adult Jennifer Garner is at a bar and her friend is like, oh, look at that hot guy. He's totally making eyes at you. And Jennifer Garner gets up, walks past the adult man and starts hitting on like a 13 year old boy that's like sitting at a table eating French fries. And we're all supposed to be like, LOL, it's so funny because it's an adult woman hitting on a 13 year old boy. But like, imagine if it was, (laughs) imagine if the genders were switched. We would not, I know, we would not be laughing at that. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess trauma work helps you helps open your eyes to a lot of things because yeah. um i've certainly been unpacking some things mm-hmm. for the past year and a half um and uh yeah there's just things i can't accept uh, and never should have had to in the first place and i'm not saying like i'm not like traumatized after watching 13 going on 30 <laughs> but i appreciate that i have changed and that my tastes have changed and that watching it I'm able to see that it's not romantic. And so growth. I'm yeah. not a creep. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo. I just suspect <laughs> that if like the movie is, is the movie maybe less cre- creepy when you're watching it as a 13 year old? Like, I think if yeah. you're coming from at it from that lens and it's still, it still should be disturbing. But I think when you're 13, like you do think you're an adult. And yeah. so it doesn't feel weird that you would be an adult and then be in an adult relationship. But I guess what's weird is that it's not a kids movie. It's a rom-com right. targeted at adults. Yes. So it's like, yeah. that's the part that I'm like, this would be funny as a kids movie. Or if mm-hmm. like all of them woke up being 13 mm. and suddenly 30, then that would yeah. be an interesting dynamic. But the fact that the rest of them are literal adults and yeah, she's like not, developmentally adults yeah, and she's developmentally like, 13 is yeah. a problem. Yeah. And it's like oh. there's scenes where like she, she develops like a pack of girlfriends and they're all like little girls that live in the, in her apartment building. She's like this adult yeah. woman having sleepover with a bunch of 12 and 13 year old yeah, girls. It's so like, all the humor is kind of grounded in, wouldn't it be hilarious if an adult woman was behaving this way with yeah. children? It's like, not no. really in a lot of ways. No, it wouldn't be no. funny. It'd be really deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good point. But uh, how, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I didn't recently like rewatch a childhood favorite and see it through fresh adult eyes. And become, um, yeah. <laughs> Blown away. Blown away. Uh, No, I'm doing pretty good. I had a pretty decent holiday break. Uh, A lot of fun times were had. I got to hang out with with you and your crew a couple of times. We did both Christmas and New Year's together this year. Jamie made a breakfast pizza. Uh-huh. It blew my mind. It was the best thing I ever ate. I ate it like every day for the next week until it was gone. And then I cried. <laughs> well, you can make your own breakfast pizza. <laughs> Tell them the um, recipe, Jamie. Sure. I mean, so I use store-bought pizza dough. I'm not out nice. here making my own dough. We're not Nor that fancy. Uh, but the, this is, so yeah, I, I just want to clarify. Breakfast pizza is actually a pizza that has breakfast food toppings. This is not just... Mm-hmm. Um, pizza that we ate for dinner that we're now reheating for breakfast. 
Breakfast um, pizza. And I had thought that this was a thing. I thought breakfast pizza was a thing that everyone knew about, but you're not the first person that I've like presented the idea of a breakfast pizza to who's been a little bit mind blown. Yeah. So I'm going to bring this news to the world. And I'm really curious, like people should write in and let us know if you had, if mm-hmm. you've heard of breakfast pizza before or not, because where I grew up in a very rural part of Ohio, there was literally like the local gas station made a breakfast pizza. It was like a thing. <laughs> that and is so Midwest. So that is my <laughs> context for breakfast pizza. It's just a thing that exists. Um, but it is, it's pizza dough. It's you can use either a white gravy or actual sausage gravy as the sauce base. Mm. And then you've got, you know, cheese, of course, copious Mm -hmm. amounts of mozzarella cheese. And then I personally like to just let the sausage and the sausage gravy be the meat topping. Mm. But you could also put some ham or some bacon on there if you Mm. wanted. I mean, and from here, you know, your your toppings can go wild, but you should probably have a scrambled egg Mm. on Mm -hmm. there, uh, some scrambled eggs and the sausage gravy. I feel like those are the two main components with the mozzarella cheese. Mm. And then you can kind of, you know, if there's other breakfasty items you want on there, you could, you know, you could put more veggies on there, onions and peppers, hash browns. You could, you could put some, if you're, I'm not big on putting like tater tots or potato items kind of on Mm. pizza, but you could absolutely do that. And then, yeah, then you just make it like a pizza. I will say the, the number one thing, or there's two things that I do that I think elevates the pizza game a little bit because I do like to make a homemade pizza, mm. homemade a pizza pie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one is that I will take like the like Pam spray mm. or like olive oil spray and spray the crust part of the pizza, like the mm. actual part that's going to be the crust, mm-hmm. spray that and then sprinkle it with garlic powder. What? Okay, uh, that made that a gives, difference. That gives it a little bit of kick. Yeah, gives a little bit of kick on your crusty part. Uh, and the other thing that I think is really important is after you have all your toppings on the pizza, you must salt and pepper the pizza ah. and season the pizza. So I do salt. Uh, I do like the kosher salt, so it's a little, it's coarse, uh, and then a little bit of pep, and then some Italian seasoning. Mm. Uh, it's really important you to must season, season pizza. your pizza. Yeah. It's so an important true, step. Jimmy. I think a lot of people miss that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my recipe for breakfast pizza. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Laughed. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now we had a shitload of good food. I think when we were at your place for Christmas, I think we ate we ate through six pounds of bacon. We did. There were Not a lot of people there, but that's still a lot of fucking bacon to eat over like two days. So almost a pound per person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Nah, it was great though. We had a lot of fun. Um, I had some family come visit for kind of the week in between the holidays, and that went pretty well too. And yeah, everyone's uh Everyone was just having a good time. Played a lot of board games. Mm. Um, not as much video game playing as I would usually like over the holiday break, but it was nice to be around people and uh, to play some good board games and eat some good food. Unplug a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watched watched Glass Onion like two and a half yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Nice holiday break. Sad to be back at work now. <laughs> would would love another couple weeks off, but we should just is. be off for all of December and January. Wouldn't that be nice? Everybody, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Don't you get unlimited days off at your job? Not anymore. No. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> no. Too bad. <laughs> I'm accruing it the old fashioned way. <laughs> uh, too bad. Uh, but Spencer, I think we should probably talk about some video games since that's yes. the thing that we do here on Pixel Therapy. Probably a good call. <laughs> we are a video game podcast after all. So what have you been playing? Well, Jamie, I unplugged in my own way by plugging into a genre of game that I sort of have observed but never really gotten into. 
And that is the sort of rise we've seen in the past couple of years of really specific simulation games. There's like firefighter simulator, there, simulator there's a uh, grass mowing simulator. Um, there's all sorts of crap out there. I can only name two right now, I guess. <laughs> My brain is empty. But I have gotten but these super... Are, I, I think it's important to say yeah. there's a distinction here between... So there's a simulator games, huge, broad spectrum. But I think what you're you're alluding to are the ones that are like more, quote unquote, serious, mm-hmm. like farming simulator. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. There's like, yeah, you're right. There's Focused a bunch, a but none of them singular mundane can task. Exactly. But you also have on the other side of the spectrum the ones that are kind of mocking those simulator games mm. and doing something funny, which is like Goat Simulator, uh, where you're living your life as a goat, but it's all meant to be funny. Um, surgeon Warlord, Simulator. Organ Trading Simulator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But all simulator games, but we're talking more about the the more serious ones yeah. that are actually like, here's a very mundane, repetitive task that you can like lose your mind to just doing over and over again. But sorry, please continue. Absolutely. No, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> but I've been getting really into Power Wash Simulator. Um, this game was developed by Future Lab and published by Square Enix. Actually came out in mid-July of 2022 um, on all the Xbox platforms, which is where I've been playing it on Game Pass. Um, and then that was after more than a year of it being early access on Steam. And just recently, like within the past couple of weeks, it's now available on Nintendo Switch, um, as well as PS4 and 5. Um, so kind of a just recently, the, the complete main game has been released. Um, people are getting super into it. Um, just in terms of the grip <laughs> that Power Wash Simulator has on the gaming community, um, there's a piece uh, titled The Calming Catharsis of Power Wash Simulator by Matt James, which is available on The Ringer. And he writes that approximately, at the time of the article, approximately 44,000 people, I just looked up and it's now up to 52,000 people, are oh, wow. following Power Wash Simulator on Twitch. And during the peak power washing period on Steam, more than 10,000 people were playing the game concurrently and over 100,000 were watching it on Twitch. Oh my goodness. Um, according to estimates on SteamDB, a million or more people have bought um, the budget price game on that platform um, on Steam. And it's like a very affordable game. Um, and almost 98% of the user reviews are positive. Um, this game has a 10 out of 10 rating on IGN. Um, people from all over the world are playing it. Um, and not just that, but a ton of people are just watching people play it. Not even playing it themselves, but just watching. Um, yeah, they're just watching people wash things. And for me, like, I started, I don't know why I downloaded it. I think I was just like, I, I'm depressed. It's midwinter. <laughs> I can't go outside. I don't have the energy to, like, get into something. I mm-hmm. just feel kind of, like, tired and dead inside. And um, I kept seeing. And I kept seeing it like in the Game Pass store. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try it. Oh my God. This yeah. game is like the antidote to whatever ails you. Um, <laughs> any ailment, pancreatitis. <laughs> Just power wash it away. Um, the game is, I think it's kind of funny. People refer to it as a simulation as well as a first person shooter because, yes, you are holding a power washer. Um, you are 
you have an endless supply of water. Mm. Um, and you have <laughs> some very Couldn't dirty. Be us here on this planet, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Something as I was playing what it, I was like, I was like, I should just leave it all and and open a power washing business like the person in this game because this yeah. is the this is better than therapy for me right now. Yeah. But then I was like, imagine doing this in California. Like, where is all this water coming from? Like, I'm out here like cleaning down entire playgrounds, Ferris wheels. Fucking like houses, yards. <laughs> like for some reason, this person's backyard is inexplicably layered in filth. Um, <laughs> Power Wash Simulator, <laughs> best fantasy game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's true. It's funny. Like as I was looking up sort of articles and reviews of this game, um, somewhat jokingly, but also somewhat seriously, like many people were like, honestly, this is one of my top contenders for game of the year 2022. Oh, wow. And it's it's not the reasoning why it is not humorous. Like the game is very thoughtfully designed. Like I think um although there's a lot of games with the name simulator, like XYZ simulator out right now and coming out, they're not all by the same developer. Like there's a whole range of indie and more established developers who are working on these games. And the quality of Power Wash Simulator is top tier um from from the environment to the haptics with the controller, um, to the the way the the physics and the way the environment reacts. Like you truly feel that you are power washing something. And um, you have various nozzles going from like a wide stream to a really focused mm-hmm. uh, small stream. And part of what I love about this game is that um, like you can feel the strength of the water pressure in your controller. Mm. You really feel like you're holding a hose that is spewing out <laughs> a powerful stream of water. Um, I love it. You feel the like blowback a bit of when you're first hitting a surface with the with the stream, um, and you're a- you're able to feel over time the effectiveness of certain nozzles and angles on the thing you're trying to clean, like. Sometimes you really have to get really granular in there with with the mm-hmm. hose, um, and it's just like immensely, immensely satisfying. Um, it's really basic. Like you're you're starting a business and you're cleaning, you're getting clients from around the neighborhood, and you're starting to establish yourself uh, and your business. And I just was really trying to think about like what, like what is it about this that feels so good, um, like. I'm literally doing something that would probably be really monotonous and uh, intensive and like seemingly daunting in real life. But for some reason, it's really easy for me to spend four hours cleaning one playpen on a playground. And like, like most people say that um, the ga- the runtime of the whole game for the main story is probably around 30 hours. Wow. I feel like I've, al- I've already spent like 20 <laughs> hours just methodically working on like, like three different levels like yeah like there's a lot to clean yeah. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the point too right to like just really take your time with it. i mean i don't yeah. know are the goals or the ch- the uh chapters or anything time-based is there anything there's no time limit there's no health bar there's no music uh actually oh, which wow. i find really interesting like you it's truly- just the sound of the water this, yeah, that that white noise oh. of the water. Uh, honestly, it's so soothing. Like, wow, it is. They they're onto something. They're onto something over here. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> just that 
the the feel of the vibrations of the thing you're holding and the white noise of the water hitting various surfaces and the rush of the stream uh-huh. is like hypnotic. Um, I was really struck by the fact that there is, I realized slowly after a couple hours of playing, I was like, oh shit, there's no music. Like there's no menu music. There's no like jaunty kind of Sims-esque thing that takes you out. Like you just hear the sound of nature being outside. Like you hear birds chirping, you hear the wind, you hear your steps, you hear the sound of picking up equipment, putting it down. Um, But even like, I'm not someone who usually listens to podcasts or music while I game because I, I get very distracted. I'm just kind of like in the game and I can't, I can't internalize what someone is saying on the headphones. Um, But I have like a vinyl like a record player set up next to the area where I game and I put on like how hip uh someone got me a kid a on vinyl for Christmas a Radiohead album and so I was uh-huh. listening to Radiohead as I was as I was That's power cool. watching and I feel like I transcended <laughs> oh my god something else I really like about this game is that um like because there's no sound because there's no real like it's just you the site you're washing and your power washer. Um, something that takes me out of a lot of games like this is feeling like the world is dead. Like there's no mm. one to interact with. I'm the only thing alive for miles. <laughs> um, there's no like NPCs like that can break immersion for me um, and make me lose interest because so much of what keeps me connected to games is just feeling like I'm part of this world. <laughs> and um <laughs> Part of yeah, I went there to, <laughs> part of but then I was like, I'm not going to start singing that. I don't need to interrupt Spencer with like fucking. I'll interrupt myself by breaking out the song. Um, but um, so as you're like, what something I like too is like, it doesn't. It's not just like I'm power washing without aim. Like it's like uh-huh. there are people in the community who are like, hey, you know, um, I. I have two little girls and I'm, I'm stuck at home all day. They really want to enjoy the backyard and it, they can't because it's covered in dirt or like my wife has been sick and I, I just can't get around. Like I, like I used to when I was younger and I could really use your help. Like, like it's like you're solving problems for people mm. for which these messes are um, affecting their quality of life. And yeah. so while you, there's no dialogue or anything like that, you have a cell phone And as you're going about your jobs, um, like people will text you. Uh, Maybe it'll be your friend saying something like, uh, oh, I I found a new client that I think you'd really want to talk to. Or, oh, I saw the job you did the other day as I was walking by and it looks great. Um, But you'll also get messages from the clients. Like as you're working on the the project, like Mm -hmm. as you start, you might hear from them like, oh, that area of the of the porch you're currently working on, like I remember like memories of sitting out there with my grandfather and whittling Aww. or some shit. Or like as you're cleaning more and more, <laughs> it'll be shit. like <laughs> some, some bullshit. Yeah. Whittling or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like as you're halfway through power washing the back of the house, like uh, you'll get a message like, oh my God. You know, my grandpa's getting up and walking around for the first time in weeks. Like he's so excited to be able to see, like, uh, see, like the transformation on the house. Like you feel like you're someone in like, uh, like a home improvement or like makeover show, and the people are like in the house looking out the window <laughs> and commenting on like what you're yeah. doing and how it's affecting them. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like a little thing. Yeah. But it also feels very realistic because like if I if I am doing 
like if I'm mowing the lawn or whatever, if I'm doing yard work, uh, it's common to just have someone inside like text me and be like, hey, like, do you want to come in for lunch? Or like, hey, like, thanks for doing that, whatever. Um, but this action uh, of just like texting while you're doing a job, I think is something that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though you never see these people, um, the fact that, and, and two, it operates on two levels of of kind of motivating you to keep going. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes these jobs can take hours and you're just kind of like, okay, like, oh my God, I've barely made a dent on uh, this area of the lawn. But to have someone texting you and being like, oh my God, I can actually see the siding of my house for the first time in months. Like, I'm so excited. Um, it really works and it keeps me immersed. And so I just, yeah, really like that. <laughs> That's awesome. But, um, so I, I Googled, why uh-huh. is, I, I literally started typing, why is power washing? And Google autofilled for me, so satisfying. <laughs> why is power washing so satisfying? Yeah. Um, and this is like a phenomenon that far exceeds myself. Um, just off the top, like, so there's a <laughs> subreddit, of course, called our power washing porn. <laughs> it has almost 2 million members and it is oh in the God. top 1% of subreddits by population. So it is one of the biggest and most popular subreddits. And it's literally just videos and pictures of people. This is what they mean when they say the silent majority. (laughs) Yeah. Give every household a power washer. Let's, let's solve world peace. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, So I was looking up, I was like, why, why is power washing so satisfying? So on Reddit, uh, one user said, what I, what I found very, um, what's the word? Inspiring. They just yeah. said, everything old is new again. Gives mm. us hope. Mm. Period. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else said quite poetically, sometimes it feels like not only have you subtracted a negative by getting rid of the dirt on a surface, but it can also feel as if you're creating the value of an object all over again because it looks shockingly, suddenly new in a way oh. that it hadn't before. Oh. It's like you're creating and destroying at the same time. Mm. It's really power washing is close to godliness. Is what yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> so, you know, um, as I was saying before. Um, you can choose from multiple power washers. There's distance extenders. There's soaps as you get further into the game. And I, well, something else I really appreciate is that for a very simple premise, it really utilizes every button on the Xbox controller. Okay. Um, like you start, there's sort of a learning curve of getting the hang of like, this is the button I use to switch the nozzles. This is the button I use to change my angle. These are the buttons I use to um, pick up tools and um, map different functions to the D-pad and things like that. And so um, I think for those who are kind of like first-person shooter folks, it mm-hmm. does sort of scratch that itch. Um, yeah, I fucking love um, Power Wash Simulator. And it's deceptively like um, engaging in the sense that it's not just a point and click. Like you really have to think and be one with the controller. And, and, and I, that adds even another layer of immersion to the whole thing. Wow. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> I had heard about this game and yeah, I kind of laughed it off a little bit as a bit of a joke. Uh, but that just sounds, I, I just, it, it's, it's funny because it's power washing, but it does sound really deep and cathartic and meditative. Like, a really centering practice uh 
it sounds very relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for bringing that to my attention more. <laughs> I think one, I have one more charming quote from this article by Matt James um, yes, in please. which he writes how, um, you know, earlier this week he writes, uh, I told a few Call of Duty Warzone stands that my favorite first person shooter of 2022 is Power Wash Simulator. At first they laughed heartily. Then one of them asks, well, what do you do in that game? You just wash things? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love this idea that you're coming to a bunch of serious, like, first-person shooter, like, yeah. you know, like, um, war game, like, heavy, like, kind uh-huh. of action. And you're like, Power Wash Simulator. And at first they're like, what the fuck? But then when you think <laughs> about it, they're kind of like, hmm. <laughs> so I hope a lot of people <laughs> yeah. enjoy the non-violent shooting of Power Wash Simulator. Um, it's definitely, like... It's funny, but it's also like in a very serious way, like a really great way to um, get out of your head and almost like meditate. Like, I love it. And I'm sort of want a power washer now. And I don't know. I just love games. (laughs) (laughs) Games are great. Can definitely agree with you there. (laughs) So, Jamie, I've been very much in power wash simulator land, but um. What about you? (laughs) What have you been playing? (laughs) You asked that like you thought I was going to be like, oh, nothing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, just imagine you're going to have a much more. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't judge myself. Yeah, what if I was like, I've also been playing Power Wash Simulator. (laughs) No, we already know what we're going to talk about before we come into the episode. This is all farce. Um, Marvel's Midnight Suns is what I've been playing. Hell yeah! Uh, we I talked about this a tiny bit in the Game of the Year episode that we recorded in December, or at least mentioned that I've been playing it and shared a few <laughs> like observations, things that are making me laugh about the game. Um, but I've continued. That's continued to be the main thing that I'm playing uh, over the break. It, like I said, I didn't have a ton of time to play, but the time that I did have, I was putting towards Marvel's Midnight Suns, and I really like this game <laughs> I like this game it's not a good game i i've recently heard people saying a thing about games that they love where they were saying it's a three out of five that i love like mm. a five out of five um mm. or a five you know a seven out of ten that i love like a ten out of ten and that's that's kind of how i feel about marvel's midnight suns this is not a it's an imperfect game it definitely has issues it definitely doesn't hold up to something like god of war ragnarok like actually uh Quick segue, uh, when I had family over during the break, um, they were we were all just hanging out and they were like, well, you can you can just hang out and play games mm. if you want to. We love to watch you play games. Mm. And I specifically was like, OK, and booted it like I restarted God of War Ragnarok and yeah. played a couple of hours of that for them. And they were like, so, wow. They were like, oh, my God, I didn't know video games look like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I literally like had the thought of like, well, what I kind of want to play when I'm playing right now is Marvel's Midnight Suns. But like, there's no way I'm booting up this game in front of people <laughs> who don't have a lot of context for getting video games. Um, not because I'm like ashamed of playing Marvel's Midnight Suns, but it just does not it, like <laughs> graphically does not look great. Uh, it's like corny. The dialogue is like corny and cheesy as hell. Yeah. It's also like the battles are card playing uh, mm. like tactical st- or like strategic tactical game that so would not have been any fun to watch. So anyway, I just I think that kind of contextualizes some of my feelings around Marvel's Midnight Suns, mm. which is that it is a weird fucking game. Um, but let's get into it a little bit here. So this is a the game is a tactical role playing game that's developed by Firaxis. Um, they are the folks who 
made XCOM. The XCOM games is what they're really known for. And they developed the Marvel's Midnight Suns in collaboration with Marvel Games, of course. Um, The story of the game is that uh, it it pulls from the Midnight Suns comics, which I'm not especially familiar with, so I'll kind of go over it in summation here. Mm -hmm. But apparently, like, this is a pretty, like... It's a well-known story arc from the comics, and it's also very mystical and weird and demons and stuff like that. It's not the traditional stuff that we see going on in like the MCU right now that mm-hmm. I think is very mainstream that people are familiar with. It's a little bit more like off the beaten path in terms of comic book narratives. Um, but essentially, the the plot is that there is a demon, the mother of demons, whose name is Lilith, mm-hmm. and she is trying to raise a demon army. Um, and Subban Kathan, who's like some demon god okay. entity and basically take over the world. Um, you know, just typical. Classic <laughs> classic, classic shit. villain shit, right? Um, <laughs> classic evil villain shit. And uh, in the context of the game, Lilith uh, has been in a slumber for over 300 years. She was put there by her child, Uh, who's called the hunter Mm. and the hunter was specifically raised to fight and kill Lilith, which is already kind of like just an interesting dynamic that the kid was raised from the beginning to like kill and and fight against their mother. Um, So 300 years ago, they have this epic battle. Both the hunter and Lilith end up in slumbers, like basically comatose states. They're entombed. They're put away crisis has been averted. Now here we are 300 years in the future and Hydra, uh, the evil Hydra agents have found Lilith's tomb and Mm. have awakened Lilith. Uh, And they never learn. They never learn. Right. (laughs) And so we start out playing as uh, Dr. Strange and Tony Stark, Mm. the Avengers, and they're starting to encounter demons and fight demons. And so they go back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is Dr. Strange's home. And they like, mystical powerpoint for the universe and there's scarlet witch and oh no uh lilith attacks Uh and lilith kidnaps scarlet witch Uh and uh drives dr strange and iron man out of the sanctum centaurum and like basically takes over their home and kidnaps scarlet witch all in one go and so tony and dr strange decide to go to uh or they get uh contacted by this woman whose name is caretaker a.k.a. Sarah, (laughs) and she is the leader of the Midnight Suns, and she's got a way to fight Lilith. And so they get brought to her safe base, which is called the Abbey, which is like this hidden land. And I think that's supposed to be kind of like in the northeast U.S., like in the woods of the northeastern U.S. Sick. And what they learn there is that Sarah has, Sarah is a witch who's been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years. She's one of the original guardians uh, of the hunter and raised and trained the hunter with her partner, Agatha uh, Harkness, actually, oh. which if you've seen the uh, WandaVision show, you might be familiar with Agatha mm-hmm. um, as a witch <clears throat> in that show. So Sarah and Agatha raised the hunter together and trained the hunter to fight their mother. And Sarah is actually Lilith's sister. Oh. Lilith used to be a human witch, um, but oh. she got taken over by demons and is now the demon mother. Wow. So this is all kind of like the family dynamics here. Yeah. But Sarah has been putting together a team of folks called the Midnight Suns in preparation for the inevitable return of Lilith. Okay. And now that Lilith has returned, the Midnight Suns, which at this point are made up of Blade, Magic, 
Nico Minoru, who is uh, a young witch, um, and Ghost Rider. Um, they make up the current Midnight Suns, and Caretaker has put together this team to prepare for the inevitable return of Lilith. So now that they are teaming up with the Avengers as well, Tony and Doctor Strange are there. They decide to wake up the Hunter, and then that's when you like the prologue ends, and you officially start to play the game as the Hunter, who is actually a like create your own character. It's a new character that oh. they've infused into the story, who wasn't in the original stories in the comics, and so you actually design Hunter as your character, oh. and uh, weirdly, Hunter doesn't have a name; <laughs> they're just the Hunter. But what I did think was cool is that there's like. Hunter, like, canonically, is non-binary. Cool. They're always referred to with they, them pronouns in the game. When you develop the character, it's, you know, they present you with two images of body type. Mm -hmm. uh, one that's flat-chested and kind of, like, straight-framed, and the other, like, has breasts and is, like, has curvier hips. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's no, like man woman signifier. Yeah. And then in terms of the options for once you move past body type there's no more binary choice in the options. Like you can give mm. them long hair and a beard, like cool. what, you know, it's all yeah. mix and match. Um, however cool. you want to develop them. Yeah. And then they don't have an actual name besides Hunter. And they're referred to with they, them pronouns to the entire game. Nice. So, so everyone's gay. Yeah. For you. <laughs> it, it was like kind of, it was kind of cool to see that approach and whether or not it was just for like, ease of not having to like record extra dialogue or whatever or whether it was like an intentional we intentionally want this character to be non-binary I, I don't know like what the developers are going for there but it was still kind of cool to see in the game yeah um and then yeah and then so you inhabit hunter and hunter uh becomes is is like working to become the leader of the midnight suns but they've been resurrected to to take down lilith once again and you start to run missions the missions play out as these uh card battles so basically when you go into a mission you bring three heroes with you hunter can be one of them and then two other folks so you can bring three folks and it's a mix of the avengers that are on your team and the midnight suns characters that are on the team and you bring them into battle each character has their own set their own like deck of cards i want to say it's like maybe 10 cards that they each come in with and you're kind of building these decks when you're not in missions but you decide like which mm -hmm. character cards you want to bring into the mission which characters you want to bring into the mission. And then while you're actually playing the game, you'll be drawing cards into your hand and playing those against the enemies. Mm. Um, there's also environmental attacks you can do, and there's like certain moves that you can make. Um, but it's not so much a game of like placing your characters around a board, which I think was like more of a thing in XCOM. You had to be really cognizant of or you're positioning mm. your characters. There's less strategy involved in the movement of characters and more strategy in the combinations of cards. So you're limited to playing three cards per turn, and then the enemies get a turn. And so you have to be careful. Like, you know in advance who the enemies are targeting. Mm. You have to be careful to make sure, like, okay, if everyone is targeting Nico she doesn't have a ton of health. So I have to take out these enemies that are targeting mm. Nico, or maybe I have Captain America in there and he has a move where he can throw his shield and it taunts all the enemies that his shield hits. And then he'll pull aggro to him so that Nico doesn't get hit like things like that. Mm. Um, and trying to figure out how you can take folks, take the enemies out before they take their turn 
or uh, play cards against them that will bind them or prevent them from taking their turn. And there's also cards that have an ability called quick, which means that if the card uh, KOs an enemy, like kills an enemy, then you get that play that the card play refunded. So if you build up a lot of quick moves like that, you might be able to play way more than three cards because the card kills somebody and then you get the card play back. So it really starts to layer on top of each other. And, and the card combat is actually really, really fun and really well designed. And the mm. look of the cards and the feel of playing them all feels really good. Like that, that core mission gameplay is definitely the, what I would say is like the best and the easiest to say like, to extrapolate from the game and say like, this is really high quality, interesting stuff that they're doing. The other side of the coin, when you're not in missions, and actually a huge part of the game that I think some reviewers really said like, did, didn't jive with and really felt like, mm. oh, this is just fluff before I get to the mission, but I'm, I'm actually really liking that other side of the coin is during the day before you go on a mission, you play as the hunter in the abbey going around <laughs> talking to the other characters mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different things you can do in the abbey that will like increase the levels of your cards or give you new abilities or increase you you are building up a friendship level with everyone mm -hmm. on the team so you do like these little like you can invite them to hang out and then if you take them to a place at the <laughs> abbey that they really like and do an activity like for example the other night, I read books by the fire with Blade. Oh, my God. And we just hung out and chatted about books. Oh. And then they because so because the, the Abbey is a safe place. So everyone who joins the team comes and lives in the <laughs> Abbey. So it's basically like you're at uh, Superhero University with oh all of God. your favorite yeah. Marvel superheroes. <laughs> and you're all hanging out in the dorms oh <laughs> and trying to be friends with each other. And there's so much downtime built into the game beyond just the missions that is just this piece of walking around and having interactions with these superheroes. And for a lot of players, a lot of reviewers and stuff, that aspect of it was just something that they felt like they needed to skip through to get to the card battles. Ugh. But I fucking love yeah. <laughs> all of the shit with the this heroes. This is where you thrive. This is where I thrive. I love the card battling, but I'm really enjoying the... And it's, it is... Sometimes the dialogue is just very on the nose. Like all the characters speak very earnestly mm -hmm. with each other. It's kind of campy. It's corny. Uh, it's not like this is like well-written literature or anything, but it's just so fun and interesting mm -hmm. that this is what the game decided to be. And it feels a little bit like like an older age of comics when comics were allowed to be silly. Mm. I feel like the MCU, mm. not that we don't laugh at the MCU, but like mm. the DC and the MCU stuff, it's all taken very seriously mm -hmm. now. And this game is just kind of like, yeah, but it's silly. Like, yeah. like Blades of Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> this is silly. It's okay to like laugh at this a little bit and have fun with it. And I, I actually really, I really like that. It sometimes it feels like high school drama. Like, so they start forming clubs, right? I'm in I'm at in three different I'm in three different clubs. Yeah, at the Abbey. We have I'm in three different social clubs right now. Wow. Because and also like you feel like the bell at the ball because everyone wants to be friends with the hunter. Oh and everyone uh, thinks the hunter's so cool. Yeah. And you can become such close friends with them and they're oh like, God. no one gets me like you, Hunter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like dumb cheesy shit like that. But yeah, I'm in three different social clubs. Uh one of them is a book club that I'm in with Blade. 
Captain Marvel <laughs> and Captain America. <laughs> I love how we just like Wolverine has just joined the team and we're going to invite him to our book club. Blade's like, should we invite Logan to our book club? Oh my I'm God. Like, yes, let's yes. get Logan in the book club. <laughs> I just love that Midnight Suns is like promoting queer platonic relationships among adults. <laughs> like we need more of this. Yeah, no, it's so good. Um, and then like I'm in a club that we call shop class with oh Peter God. Parker, um, <laughs> Robbie, who's Ghost Rider. He's like a young Ghost Rider. And like Tony with a Stark. flaming skull head or is it yeah. like well so Ghost Rider, he's only Ghost Rider when the the spirit of vengeance take vengeance oh, okay. takes over. That's the ghost that's the flaming head that you associate <laughs> with Ghost Rider. But most of the time around the Abbey, he's just Robbie. And he's just he's just a dude. He like I think he grew up in like California and he's got a big family and he misses them. He talks about his brother. I love and how you stuff. know all their like backstories and <laughs> yeah. relationships and shit. And then, you know, Peter Parker obviously is Spider-Man. And then Tony joins because it's shop class is like oh they're like the techies like robbie really <laughs> likes to work on his hot rod car oh my god and peter likes to fiddle with his gadgets and they go hang yeah. out in the garage <laughs> and they like fiddle with all their stuff and then one day tony just shows up Uh-oh. to uh to shop class and both the because robbie and peter are both like younger guys they're like in their early 20s and they're like oh oh god like, oh why did tony just Aww. show up we don't know and then tony like brings all this equipment and, and they get nervous and robbie's like oh i don't know why tony just showed up all this qu- equipment is he trying to like take over our club will you talk to him hunter and then so i have to go over and like mediate <laughs> this conversation between tony and peter and robbie and like smooth things over and tony's just like no, I just think what they're doing is really cool and I want to help out and I wanted to bring them a bunch of equipment. And I, I have to be like, well, they kind of felt like you're trying to take over the club, man, because you just show up with all this money and power and influence and and you didn't talk to them about it or ask them what you wanted. You've got to like, you got to talk to them and make sure that you're bringing the kind of stuff that they want into the oh club. And Tony's like, you're totally right. I'm so sorry. And then I have to go back to Robbie and be like, hey, Tony, sorry. He wasn't trying to take <laughs> over the club. <laughs> this, is, this is a sitcom. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so, it's so great and so weird. And my only complaint about that stuff is that it absolutely, you know, you're building up this friendship level between one to five. And and there's a reason to do it. The the more you increase your friendship with characters, like the more benefit they get perks mm. in battle, they get mm-hmm. better cards. Like it's it it impacts mm. the gameplay ultimately. So this is not just fodder. It's not like just extra stuff they put in the game. They want it all to feed into how the team works together. And it's actually a big part of the story. A, a big part of the story as it's going on is this division between the Avengers who are, you know, it's Tony Stark, it's Doctor Strange, it's Captain Marvel, it's Captain America. These this set team that has been working together for a long time and has taken on multiple apocalyptic challenges. And they come in with all of this experience and sort of celebrity around them. And they're very well known and they immediately just start taking charge. And there's a lot of tension between them and the midnight suns crew Mm. who feel like they've been kind of ostracized, even though the mystic aspects and the demon hunting aspects are actually like what they're experts in. It's what they've been training to do, but they're generally younger, less Mm. well-known heroes, uh, untested in that way. Mm. And so you're kind of navigating these tensions of the midnight suns feeling very slighted by the way the Avengers have just kind of come in and taken over Mm. and the Avengers being like, don't worry, kids, the parents are here to take care of it. But really, the Avengers don't understand the threat that they're dealing with. And so you're trying to help bridge these gaps between the team and build the team's friendship level and and make them feel like a team as opposed to multiple different, like either individual, you know, or then you have someone like Peter comes in, which in the context of the game, 
Spider-Man is not yet an Avenger in the game. And so he's coming in as kind of this individual and he just wants to help everybody Mm. out, but then he doesn't really fit with the midnight suns or the Avengers. And so he's kind of in between and just navigating all of that and talking to the characters and having them reflect on that and have feelings about that. It's cool. It's cool. I do think the game falls short though, in that it doesn't let you romance anyone Mm. because it absolutely feels like that should be part of the game. Like it feels like hunters should just be fucking their way through the entire, (laughs) like, Marvel oh. universe of characters like yeah. it's a dorm it's got such like a high school slash yeah. college vibe it really feels like everybody should be just like <laughs> humping it up but oh unfortunately the I and I have to assume that the game developers wanted something wanted romance options in there mm-hmm. and that Marvel just said like no we're not gonna let that go into the game but yeah. I could be wrong maybe they never wanted it in there but it definitely feels like it was designed for that and the way characters talk to each other sometimes like you're telling me this relationship is 100% platonic <laughs> like you know magic's over here telling me that she's never felt so understood by anyone in her life you're telling me we can't hook up okay yeah, yeah, alright yeah. fine fine <laughs> uh, whatever you say hey what, what goes on in the clubs <laughs> after dark no one knows <laughs> Uh, And then there's one more thing I wanted to talk about with the game that I think is pretty unique, which is uh, like a lot of games. Well, I'd say probably a lot of older games would have kind of a light and dark system. Like you're either choosing to be like really, uh, you know, have a lot of valor and be very like Mm. good hero, traditional hero, or you're leaning into your dark side and power and, you know, and there's this constant thing that Hunter's going through in the game of are they... Are they evil because Mm. their mother is the mother of demons? Like, Mm. is their relationship to Lilith, does that make them evil and a powerful being that needs to be controlled? Mm. Or are they, like, fundamentally good? Mm -hmm. And what should we embrace? Like, do we embrace our dark side or do we need to constantly be leaning towards the light? And and that uh, the, the balance of how those things play out in an individual and there's you know legitimately dark magic and light magic within the context of the game and, and the world and so there's this consistent talking point with other characters well w- when you're having dialogues with other characters and you're given dialogue options a lot of times there will be you know there might be three or four dialogue options and one of them or two of them will have an indicator that it is a it'll specifically give you light points if you say this thing like this is a particularly heroic thing to say mm. or really like quote unquote morally good thing to say mm. or another thing might have give you dark points because it's more grounded in like being uh really cold and efficient or logical mm. or focused on power above all else right and so that'll mm. give you dark points and then there'll be other options in there that have no light or dark attributed to them. And when you're having conversations with other characters, you're both considering like, do I want to say one of these things because it's going to give me a light or dark point? Or do I want to speak to what I think this character actually needs to hear? And you also have the ability to get friendship points in conversations. So if you say something that's really in line with what that character needs to hear, you'll get friendship points. And that might not always be the light or the dark option. It's not like, every time the light option appears, that's the right thing to say. Mm. Or every time the dark option appears, that's the right thing to say. It's not even character dependent. It's not like this character, every time if I say the dark option, that's going to get me the points. So it really asks you to listen to and know the characters individually Mm. when you're responding to build 
the relationship with them. But it's also asking you, you know, those light and dark points, they obviously attribute to powers that you can get for the hunter. But it doesn't feel like I'm putting points in a bucket. It doesn't feel like I'm moving a line on a scale. I think mm-hmm. so many game morality systems, you actually see a binary mm-hmm. lights on one side, darks on the other, and you're moving in either directions. Right. And with Midnight Suns, it's more like you're just kind of putting, it's more of a scale system in that you're putting like little weights in yeah. a bucket and kind of tipping the scale. Maybe one day it's tipped a little more towards dark. Maybe one day it's tipped a little more towards light, but I can have constantly both light and dark powers in my deck. I'm not asking being asked to make a binary choice. Cool. And I think it just, it, it does a, it better reflects the idea that we hold both of these things in ourselves and that you don't have to be all one or all the other to yeah. still be like a complete person. And <laughs> it's not like I'm, I'm not hurting the efficacy of my deck. Yeah. By making very decisions that feel right to the moment and to the the context of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like like in other games, if I didn't go all light or all dark, you were actually hurting your ability to max out your power set. And that doesn't feel like it's as much of a thing in Midnight Suns. It's actually more asking you to kind of grapple with that complexity of, <sighs> uh, yeah, I don't know of good versus evil and what makes a person good versus evil. Mm. And I'm, I'm only like uh, maybe a third, maybe halfway through the game, but it also feels like there's, I'm interested to see where things go between the hunter and their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's really, it seems like the game is building up towards there being some like big moments and big conversations. And the hunter was legitimately, they don't have a name and they were legitimately just raised to be a weapon mm. against their own mother. And already you can see hints of how that has impacted the way they view themselves and the world, like coming through in the conversations they have with caretaker, Mm. who is the woman that raised them. And uh, the hunter wears a collar. Oh, geez. It's like a, like a metal or like, yeah, it seems like it's made of like gold or stainless steel or something. This game is queer as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That that like harnesses that like protects them from demonic powers mm. and and hides them from Lilith, and it's starting to chip Uh-oh. at where I'm at in the game as we encounter Lilith more times, and I'm curious mm. to see what's going to happen because from what I've found out, it seems like caretaker made this collar to both harness and control. So like this person oh. hunter has been like kind of controlled their whole life, yeah, and really like pointed in a direction. And I'm interested to see how that's all going to blow up as they reconcile with like, yeah, yeah, just how they were kind of used. Um, And just the fact that they weren't even given their own name name or or allowed to have an identity outside of being this tool against their mother that they've only ever been told is evil, Mm. I think is going to be, it's going to be interesting. You know, maybe it won't all land, but I think they're setting up for some really interesting dynamics and conversation. I mean, the way you're talking, it's like Midnight Suns is giving on all levels. Yeah. Like I said, I'm really enjoying it. It's just that it, you know, I'll sit there and play it. My partner will be sitting next to me. And sometimes like a character will just say something and we're both just like laughing. It's just, it's (laughs) so corny because it's so odd or like, there's no alcohol in the game. So like mm. Peter invites me to go have a drink and it's root beer. And oh he's like God. talking about all the good flavors of root beer. There's just like ways in which the game uh, is so strangely sanitized. Yeah. That, uh, or, or just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put my thumb on exactly like what it is that makes like the game anime. odd. <laughs> it 
it's anime and it is there's like a level of earnestness and honestness with which characters are talking that doesn't feel like true to human behavior yeah like you know i i just met this character and they're already pouring their heart out to me <laughs> feels weird and then like the I mean, character of hunter comes across as pretty flat like the voice acting is not great <laughs> so it can kind of just like really land with a thud sometimes or feel really disingenuous but like the the core writing and like is yeah it's really interesting I just, when you said that, I have to say the experience of just meeting people and then having them pour out their hearts <laughs> to you, I think is something that a lot of non-binary and visibly queer people can relate to. Like yeah. sometimes there's just something about <laughs> your presentation that touches on some repressed piece or some unconsidered I don't know. I've just, in my own experience, I've found that something about me just existing in a space can sometimes like touch on, make people think about themselves in a way that makes them just pour their hearts out to me. Um, And I've heard other trans people talk about the same thing. Um, Not that it's always like, a good thing because it's like yeah. I consent to be your therapist right now and just because I've been through shit and learned some things about myself doesn't mean that I'm qualified to like give you advice yeah but, um, that's gay that's queer too so. <laughs> yeah I, it's really interesting because I don't think I came into this conversation thinking that this game was super queer but the more I talk and think about it, I'm like oh no this game's like really fucking queer <laughs> yeah anyway Marvel's Midnight Suns amazing <laughs> having a lot of fun with it and i think it uh, i'm not sure it got its full full due i think mm. a lot of folks kind of overlooked it or kind of have wanted to laugh off yeah. some of these like kind of campier uh stranger elements i guess mm. just that are just it's just so different than a lot of what we have on offer right now as far as superheroes goes yeah. um and kind of asking you to maybe well, you're still taking it seriously, but yeah, I think it is saying it's more anime is maybe a good way to to say it. It's just it's yeah, I don't know. It's back it to wears the its roots. heart on its sleeve, yeah, in a way that I think a lot of the more quote unquote serious like MCU content does not. Um, yeah, yeah, like it's I don't know. I feel like when I was eleven, twelve, and just starting to get into comics and manga, it was like. There's something about that earnest connection and and building friendships and remembering the power of community and just being in a place together. Like it's like touching on this like universal like young person within all of us that uh, is just like I don't know. I, I like that there's like there's no alcohol, there's no drugs, there's no sex. Like it's just about I don't know heart, heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it and it makes it, it, I don't know, I guess it, the thing is, is like, I think our instinct, especially in like American culture and like the way so much of adult means sex and violence mm-hmm. and the way like sex and vi- like even the violence is really when you when you take an enemy down, it says KO and this like oh bell gosh. rings like yeah. you just knock them unconscious. Right. It's not like you're <laughs> brutally murdering people, yeah. even though that's I mean, there's certainly a trail of bodies in your wake. But like, yeah, the the violence in the game is really toned down, too. So it and it's it's completely sexless and there's no alcohol. So it feels really like it's not it's removed of adultness Mm. in a lot of ways. And yet the things that the characters are grappling with are 
super adult and deep, but I, I think there's an inherent like, uh, oh yeah, this, this game isn't very grown up because it's mm-hmm. not doing these things that we've, we've said, you know, on the checklist, these things mm-hmm. make something adult content mm-hmm. and therefore this isn't a, for adults mm-hmm. or it's cheesy or corny or silly or childish in some way, mm-hmm. even though the stuff that the characters are going through and that they're talking about and wrestling with is like really quite real. Yeah. And also it's just so rare that we see content that wants to spend time with heroes when they're not heroing. Mm-hmm. And is w- whether it's fully successful in it or not is trying to treat them like real people with deep interiors. Yeah. Um, that are just going through their own mundane sometimes shit uh, that's not related to heroing or trying to grapple with the fact that they have to spend so much time being superheroes and what that's meant for their personal life. And in some ways, like, yeah, if you were doing that kind of shit all the time, you would probably not be good at socially interacting <laughs> with others. And yeah. uh, the backstory of a lot of these characters is very traumatic mm. or... Uh, they've been very isolated. And so you throw them all together in a dorm situation where they have to spend a lot of downtime with each other and then watch them all kind of bump off of each other and (laughs) not quite know how to interact. And then for some reason, Hunter, who's been asleep for 300 years, is able to like expertly navigate all that. (laughs) 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 Like help therapize everyone and (laughs) bring them through, uh, do their personal challenges. But anyway, that's a fun game. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right i think we're gonna wrap it up there so time is up for today's session of pixel therapy thank you for tuning in and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own if you want more pixel therapy come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just two dollars a month plus get opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly if you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff really is just as important, and we do appreciate it just as much, even though Twitter is slowly, slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> A slow and painful To death. Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> to Tumblr, we will go. Yeah. Uh, you can keep up with all this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. This month, we invite you to help rebuild a home for a cherished Black disabled family in Florida. Yoheved and Miss Wanda urgently need funds to repair their family's home in Gainesville, Florida. Most of their family members are disabled and due to abysmal health care in Florida, are unable to seek proper care. They have to rebuild their off-the-grid home for what is now the third time due to repeated displacement. Learn more about this beautiful family, contribute, and or spread the word on this mutual aid request by visiting givebutter.com slash Yoheved, and that's spelled Y-O-C-H-E-V-E-D. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more... Pixel Therapy. Therapy. Bye-bye.